Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by one of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voisin. A paralegal for more than 20 years, Vicki is dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, the Paralegal Mentor and host of the Paralegal Voice. I'm a NALA Advanced Certified Paralegal, and I publish a weekly e-newsletter titled Paralegal Strategies. I'm also the co-author of The Professional Paralegal, A Guide to Finding a Job and Career Success. You'll find more information at paralegalmentor.com. On the Paralegal Voice, I share topics that are important to the paralegal industry, as well as trends, developments, and resources you'll find helpful in your paralegal career and your everyday job. Before we begin today's episode of the Paralegal Voice, I want to thank our sponsors, NALA, the Professional Association for Paralegals, providing continuing education and professional certification programs for paralegals at NALA.org. And also ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted, pre-screened process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit ServeNow.com to learn more. Today's discussion focuses on Washington State's Limited License Legal Technician Program. Joining me are two special guests who have a great deal of knowledge of this program, and also with me is Ann L. Atkinson, ACP, NALA President. Welcome, Ann. Thanks, Vicki. I'm really happy to be here with you today, and I can't wait to hear what these two have to say. It's going to be interesting. So, Ann, NALA's recent Career Chronicle featured an article about improving access to justice, and that article led to today's program. I'd like for you to give Paralegal Voice listeners some background information and then tell them about today's guests. Well, NALA first learned about this concept back, oh, it was almost a year ago, and since then we've just sort of been watching and waiting and seeing what's happened. I'm looking forward to hearing about everything today, but I want to introduce the people that know more about it. First is Thea Jennings. Thea is the LLLT program lead and staff liaison to the board at the Washington State Bar Association. She began her career there in 2008 as a paralegal in the Office of Disciplinary Counsel, the disciplinary body that prosecutes ethical violations by Washington attorneys. In 2006, she received her post-baccalaureate certificate in paralegal studies from the University of Washington, where she also received her undergraduate degree in English and French studies. And then Steve Crossland has been practicing law for 40 years. He is a 1969 graduate of Stanford with a degree in political science. Lewis and Clark College Northwestern School of Law confirmed his law degree in 1973. The Washington State Supreme Court appointed Steve to chair the Limited License Legal Technician Board in December 2012. Steve is immediate past president of the Washington State Bar Association and also served on their Board of Governors from 1995 to 1998. His current practice focuses on real estate, estate planning, business, and mediation, and over the past 25 years, he has served on a variety of committees and task forces dealing with the unauthorized practice of law, access to justice, and related subjects. 
Thea and Steve. Hi there. Hi. Thank you for allowing us to join you. Yes, thank you. We're really happy to have you with us today. This is an important topic. Steve, Washington State is the first to implement a program for the licensure of non-lawyers to practice law on a limited basis. I understand that the Limited License Legal Technician Program, which I'm going to call 3LT, that's much easier than LLLT, I'm going to call it that from here on out, but that arose from a need for access to legal services, so tell our listeners about that. We too shorten it. We call it triple LT just because it is a mouthful. You're absolutely right. The program really has its roots in a couple of concepts. One is, as you mentioned, access to justice, meaning that we have a huge unmet civil legal need in our state and uh, probably most states. And we also, the other component is consumer protection. That is to make sure that people who are receiving legal services or believe they're receiving legal services can be assured that what they're getting is of quality, that it's regulated, and the people have been properly trained. So, Steve, what entity is going to govern the, I like that, triple LT program? (laughs) Well, the Supreme Court, of course, regulates the practice of law in our state, and I think most all states, under the Constitution. So this program and all triple LTs as lawyers are accountable to the state Supreme Court. But the state Supreme Court has delegated the administration of this program to the Washington State Bar Association. So they'll be overseeing the licensing, the testing, the regulating, uh, discipline issues. So really, it'll be the Washington State Bar Association that the triple LTs will be dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Now, are they going to be able to practice in all areas, or is that going to be limited? Well, the concept, of course, is to meet an unmet civil legal need, which we found in our state, 85% of the poor and working poor do not have their civil legal needs met. And our Supreme Court commissioned a civil legal needs study about a dozen years ago, and it revealed several practice areas that were high in unmet civil legal need. Four of those were family law, immigration, landlord-tenant, and elder law. So when the court adopted the rule, it was contemplated that the rule could be applied to any number of practice areas in which there's an unmet civil legal need. When we first began our work a year ago, uh, we recommended the Supreme Court that family law be the area to which this rule be initially applied. We'll be considering other practice areas in the near future. But for now, it's going to be family law. Is that right? Initially, it's family law. Exactly. Now, one of the arguments against the licensure of non-lawyers has always been the need to protect the public from unqualified people. So how is Washington State addressing that? Well, one of the criticisms of the rule is that you're creating a whole new bar association, and the answer is, yes, indeed, we are. So people who will be licensed to be triple LTs will really be held to the same standards and the same sort of requirements as lawyers. They will uh, need to have a very stringent academic uh, program. They'll need to take an exam. Uh, They'll need to participate in continuing education. They'll be held to the same standard of care as lawyers and will be subjected to rules of professional conduct that look very similar to the rules of professional conduct that apply to lawyers. So I think the public will be well-served and protected by that. Well, Thea, let's bring you into this discussion. What exactly are triple LTs allowed to do? Well, triple LTs are allowed to represent pro se clients as they represent themselves in court, and their scope of practice generally in any practice area is limited to informing clients of procedures in the course of legal proceedings, 
providing approved and lawyer-prepared self-help materials, and also reviewing documents and exhibits from the opposing party and then explaining their relevance to the client, as well as selecting, completing, filing, and serving approved and lawyer-prepared forms, and again, explaining them to the client. They're also allowed to advise clients of what they may need in their case, necessary documents, and assist them in obtaining those documents. Well, since we've talked about what they're allowed to do, I'm assuming there are some things that they're not allowed to do. Can you fill us in on that? Yes, there's three big no-nos for triple LTs, and and that would be representing clients in court proceedings, administrative proceedings, and alternative dispute resolution proceedings, as well as they're not allowed to negotiate a client's legal rights, followed by they're also not allowed to communicate the position of another party to another individual or to their client, and then they're not allowed to communicate their client's position to another party. Can you give me an example of that? So if you have a, maybe someone wants to settle. That's a great example. That was the one I was going to use. They're not allowed to negotiate settlements. They're not allowed to contact the opposing counsel in a case. The pro se litigant will be in the position of communicating to other individuals about the case. However, they are allowed to do fact-finding. For example, calling an employer and trying to obtain employment records. Okay. Well, let's take a short break for a word from our sponsors, NALA, the Association of Legal Assistance Paralegals, and serve now a nationwide network of trusted pre-screened process servers. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion about Washington State's limited license legal technician program. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm your host, Vicki Voison, and today we're focusing on Washington State's Limited License Legal Technician Program with guests Thea Jennings and Steve Crossland. Thea, I have an important question to ask, and that is about the way the, what I'm going to again call triple LTs, are charging for their services. Can you give us some information about that, or Steve, whichever? Sure. Do you want me to take that, Thea? Sure, sure. We feel that uh, the marketplace will help determine what they will charge. Uh, Of course, we as a board or Supreme Court or Bar Association can't tell them what to charge because that would have serious antitrust implications. We feel that there is this huge market. I mentioned 85% of the poor and working poor. 
which translates, I think our Supreme Court justice translates into about 1.2 million people in the state of Washington who, in some sense, are able to pay for services but really can't afford the services of a lawyer. So I think if a consumer couldn't afford the services of a lawyer but could afford someone less than that, uh, that's the market that the Triple LT will be serving. And the Triple LT, you know, I, I guess some have asked, well, what's to prevent them from charging what a lawyer would charge? And the answer is, why would they go to a Triple LT if the lawyer can provide a greater scope or breadth of services? The other thing is, we look at the millions and millions of dollars that services like LegalZoom take in from the consuming public and don't provide anything other than forms. And I think there's a ready market of people who can't afford that service, but perhaps not the service of a lawyer. So we think that the you know the natural marketplace will have them settle in at something quite less than a lawyer, but yet enough to make a triple LT, make it affordable and viable business. Great. Now, Thea, does the triple LT have to meet certain education requirements? I think I did hear Steve mention that before. Yes, absolutely. There are three educational components to qualify for the license. And the first is to have a minimum associate level degree. The second piece is to complete core curriculum or core education at um, an ABA-approved law school or ABA-approved paralegal program, and that's 45 credit hours of core curriculum. And the board has mandated seven required courses um, for minimum credit amounts to meet that core education component. We've worked in collaboration with the community colleges in our state to implement that education. We're we're happy to announce that the four ABA-approved paralegal programs in our state are ready to begin offering the triple LT education. The third component is the practice area education. And then in each practice area in which a triple LT wants to be licensed, they're going to be required to complete practice area courses, and that curriculum must be developed by an ABA-approved law school. Now, with family law, which is the first practice area, we have worked closely with all three law schools in our state to develop that curriculum. The first series of courses, it's a 15-credit course for over three quarters for five credits for each quarter. The first series was started this winter quarter at UW Law School, and all three law schools are providing instructors. It's a unique course in that we have both a theoretical component and a practice component. So the instructors, there are two instructors. There's a law professor and also a practitioner out in the field, a family law practitioner who comes once a week to meet with the students and give them that practical component so they're ready when they obtain the license to go out and practice. So, Thea, let me me interrupt for a minute. Mm -hmm. Am I understanding this correctly? They will have several different licenses say there will be one for family law. How is that going to work? Well, so the minimum requirements, of course, is that minimum associate level degree, that core education, and then that practice area education will be applied to any practice area in which they want to be licensed. The first practice area is family law. Okay, and so that's the 15 hours that you're talking about. Right. Okay. And once they obtain that family law license, we may add uh, practice areas in the future. In fact, we will add practice areas in the future. And a triple LT licensed in family law could also be licensed in elder law. But they are unique practice areas, and they must meet the minimum requirements of that practice area to obtain that license. 
You know, if I could go back to the education for just a moment, there's one thought that I wanted to flesh out, and Thea did a great job of explaining the wonderful collaboration between the community colleges and law schools. And part of the philosophy for making this affordable is we, our board has adopted what we call the three A's that are sort of criteria that we apply to decisions that we make when implementing how we license these candidates. The three A's are we want the program to be affordable. In other words, we don't want the triple LT to come out and you know have such burdensome debt that they can't charge a reasonable price. The other is that it's accessible. Uh, Washington State is a fairly large state geographically, and our law schools, two of them are in Seattle and one's uh, in Spokane. And so for them to obtain this education, we want it to be accessible. And that's been one of the joys is that the law school is streaming these classes live throughout the state so that people who want to take those 15 credits can literally be in any city or any part of this state and still obtain that same education and obtain it live. And the other the final A is that we want it to be academically rigorous. And that's why having, as Thea mentioned, having the three law schools involved in collaboration with the community colleges, we think assures that there's academic credibility here and that people are getting the highest possible education they can to qualify and train them to be good practitioners in delivering these limited scope legal services. Well, it sounds like it's been an all-round collaboration. Did you want to add something, Thea, to the Supreme Court being in charge of this or the State Bar? I think you had a comment on that. That's right. Well, the Washington State Bar Association, as Steve mentioned before, will administer the program. But we also, the rule itself, Admission to Practice Rule 28, that created this program, also created the Limited Licensed Legal Technician Board, which oversees and, and has been busy at work over the last year creating the requirements for this program and will also be involved in decisions relating to whether someone qualifies for the program, any discipline that may be imposed. The LT board has been given the authority to oversee this program. And I understand that there is a limited time waiver, Thea. Could you explain that? Well, the limited time waiver, the board, when it was beginning its work figuring out the education requirements for the program, realized that there were a lot of experienced paralegals out there who likely have many years under their belt um, in the area of practice area of family law or any other practice area, but may not necessarily have the resources and the time to go back and complete this brand new education that the board has created. So to resolve that issue and to, to provide an opportunity to these paralegals who likely are competent and prepared to provide legal services to clients, they came up with a limited time waiver or I guess you could call it an education waiver to help those individuals who cannot complete the associate level degree and those 45 credit hours to waive that piece. Now, to qualify for the limited time waiver, an individual must have 10 years of substantive law-related work experience under the supervision of an attorney. They also need to have passed a national certifying examination through one of the three national paralegal associations in our country, and NALA is one of those organizations, and the qualifying examination through NALA is the certified paralegal exam. The third component is to be actively certified through that organization, to be actively certified as a certified paralegal. There is a deadline to apply for this limited time waiver, and that is December 31st, 2016. 
I think I skipped something that would be really important here, and that is the two exams that they have to pass and the uh, experience under the supervision of an attorney, unless that is part of the limited time waiver, or is that something different? No, actually, the limited time waiver only waives those first two education components. Individuals will still be required to complete the practice area education. They'll also be required to pass the examination for the license and establish experience at the time of licensure. So for the examination, the board has required two examinations, at least for initial licensure. The first exam being the core exam, which would cover what students learned in their core curriculum. And the board is working on what that will look like right now and is considering national certifying exams to meet that requirement. Additionally, an applicant must complete a practice area exam in each practice area in which he or she wants to be licensed. So the family law exam is being developed right now by the board, and the practice area exams will include a multiple choice section, an essay section, and a practice exercise section. And the practice exercise section is meant to ensure that the individuals um, can actually assess a case, make a determination as to which forms should be completed, and then appropriately fill out the forms, the required forms for the case scenario. The third component with education being the first component, the second component being pass the examination. The third component that um, all applicants must meet for initial licensure is to have 3,000 hours of substantive law-related work experience under the supervision of an attorney. And substantive law-related work experience is defined as work that requires knowledge of legal concepts and is customarily but not necessarily done by an attorney. And to be supervised, a lawyer has to personally direct approve and have responsibility for the work performed. Now, that 3,000 hours of experience is equivalent to about 18 months full-time, and that can be obtained within three years, either before or after passing the examination. So there's about a six-year window to get that 18 months of experience. I am just blown away by the planning that has gone into this and also by the requirements that you've set up because no one is going to walk in there or or just decide, well, I'm out of school now and I'm going to be, you know, a triple LT. They really have to know what they're doing. So I'm, I'm very pleased to hear all of your requirements. But Steve, what are the next steps for Washington State's triple LT program? Well, I think it will be to continue to refine what we've already done. We've spent the last year really creating the foundation for this program, which uh, was uh, quite a task, but I have to applaud our board and the Supreme Court for working hard, working diligently, and, and getting this done as quickly and as thoroughly as we have. I think the next steps will be to, again, refine the program, but also to pick additional practice areas. I think we understand that as a business model, if they're going to be freestanding, that it might be of interest to them and also helpful as a business model to be able to add two or three practice areas, be licensed in two or three areas to make their businesses more viable. So, and to provide service to the public. I think that's really the important thing is, you know, we talk about the program, we talk about how it affects triple LTs, but really from the Supreme Court's perspective, I think I started this conversation by saying this is all about protecting the public and providing service to the public. Right. Uh, are other states considering this limited licensure program for non-lawyers? There seems to be a lot of interest throughout the country. California really is, I think, moving along quite positively and quite quickly 
I don't think they've adopted the rule yet, but they are showing very positive signs of doing so in the near future. I've heard that New York may be interested in this as well. I have been speaking in other states. I was in Ohio last week and am going to North Carolina and South Carolina tomorrow and will be in Washington, D.C. in the middle of March. And we've also spoken to our sister state to the south, Oregon, who's also very interested in considering this as a, as a model in their state. Well, it sounds like it's going to take off, and that's, uh, I think that's a good thing. So how can listeners learn more about your Bar Association's program? Thea, do you want to tell me about that? Yes. They can, first of all, go to our website, www.wsba, that's Washington State Bar Association, www.wsba.org forward slash L-L-L-T. Those web pages contain information on how to qualify for the license, uh, as well as contact information where they can reach me. They can, of course, give me a call at 206-727-8289 or shoot me an email at CAJ at WSBA.org. Terrific. Well, you've both been great guests. It's been terrific information. It's a trend in uh, the industry, and I'm so happy to be able to provide that to, to the listeners of the Paralegal Voice. So maybe we'll have you back again sometime. Well, thank you. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to be a part of this, and we'd be happy to share any information in the future that would be helpful. Great. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye now. Let's take another short break now, but don't go away, because when I come back, I have a couple of questions for Ann L. Atkinson, NALA President. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. This is the time in the program when I usually share a practice tip, but I thought that today, since I already have Ann Atkinson on the line with me, I would give her a chance to tell us a little bit about NALA's programs. I have to tell you, though, Ann, I'm really thankful that NALA has you know, provided paralegals with this up-to-date information and the association has always been so good about doing that. You know, we need to know about the trends, and I'm wondering if Nella has any other announcements. Well, first of all, something exciting for us, anyway, is that now that Paralegal CLE is now available both on your iPad and your Android, and this would include all 32 self-study courses. There's seven to help you prepare for the CP exam. There are three general education courses, and there's 22 advanced paralegal certification courses. And you get CLE credit for up to 10 hours for the exam prep and 30 hours for an APC course. I think that's fantastic, making it more accessible to everybody. It is. And we've got the convention. Don't forget about that. Well, I was going to say that. Yeah. (laughs) Our annual convention institute slash meeting is going to be held in Charleston, South Carolina this year, and we're really excited about that. It is going to be July 23rd through the 25th, and this year we're offering six institutes. One is the anatomy of a case. There's going to be one on corporate law that's going to cover a whole host of corporate law issues. One on discovery, elder law, which I think will be big, essential skills, of course, with Jenny Corselman Newman, and intellectual property. 
And then something new this year, we're going to try going paperless. So if you've gotten your registration form in the mail, you will see a little green button that says going paperless, and it's stamped all through the handout. And then we're going to have a convention app that we can have that will help us. We can take notes on it. We can confer with other people if we want to that are at convention. It'll be a place to post our pictures and stuff like that to send home. It's going to be very exciting. We're going to have a demonstration of it at our board meeting on Saturday. That's great. So if you're interested in going to convention, I would encourage you to do so. And I would go to the NALA website, which is nala.org, and all the registration information, and you can sign up there also. The last one is NALA Campus Live program. It's in full swing for the spring session and is offering programs until March 31st. Now, when you sign up for membership, If there are those of you that have, you will know that you automatically get an $80 gift certificate, which can be applied to the cost of any of the live webinars that are out there. I would encourage you also to check the NALA website homepage, and on the right-hand side of the homepage, you'll see a list of all the different NALA Campus Live courses that are being offered up until March 31st, a whole host of different topics. I'm sure you can find something there that would benefit you, and of course you get CLE credit for those too. So is there anything else, Vicki? Well, I have two NALA Campus Live courses coming up next week. Basic Ethics 1 is Thursday the 6th, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yep, and then uh, Basic Ethics 2 is on the 13th, and I have two more after that. So hope everybody will join me for those. I really enjoy it. It's a great program that NALA offers. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to ask you, and it just went right, you know, in one ear and out the other, but, (laughs) oh, I know, I was going to talk about Jenny Corselman for a minute. I'm so glad you've got her working on the institutes, and I don't know if you know it or not, but when Charles C. Smith-Diaz and I wrote The Professional Paralegal, we dedicated that book to Jenny Corselman. Jenny Corselman Newman. No, I didn't know that. We did. We said she is mentor extraordinaire to paralegals worldwide. And that is true. She is fabulous. So, When we were at the AppVee convention in Phoenix, there was your book front and center at the, at the booth. Yay. Being advertised. Good. Thank you. Very good. Yeah. 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 It uh, was a labor of love. And it's a book designed for paralegals to use throughout their career. So not, you know, everyone should be able to use that during their career lifetime. So that's good. Is it still at a special price right now? I believe so. At Amazon. Yeah. So, Anne, guess what? I'm going to see you in Charleston. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. So, meanwhile, of course, we have to go to Charleston when it's going to be a million degrees, but it's still a lovely city, so I'm anxious to go there. Well, meanwhile, that's all the time we have today for the Paralegal Voice. If you have questions about today's show, please email them to Vicki, V-I-C-K-I, at paralegalmentor.com. And don't forget to check out my blog, which is very simple, paralegalmentorblog.com. And the resources available at my website, this is all Paralegal Mentor, you guys. This is paralegalmentor.com. All of this has been designed to help you move your career in the right direction, which is forward. So thanks, Anne, for joining me today. You're welcome. This is Vicki Voison, thanking you all for listening to the Paralegal Voice and reminding you, make your Paralegal Voice heard. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Paralegal Voice, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Vicki Voison for her next podcast on issues and trends affecting paralegals and legal assistance. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.